earlier this week, I had a conversation with uh, multiple Christians who took a stance on female pastors that was contrary to what the word of God says. So what did I do? I brought forth the scriptures. I brought forth the book of Timothy. I brought forth various examples of women of faith in the Bible to validate uh, the position that I hold on female pastors, okay? Female pastors in the church. And the gentleman or the individuals who I was having this conversation with um, disagreed. And when I, and they told me that I was taking scriptures out of context and that I was making up my own whatever. And then they told me to lean out on my own understanding. And the sad part is, is that they didn't bring forth, in their rebuttal, they didn't bring forth any scriptures to validate their stance. This is the case with far too many Christians in the world today, is that the word of God gets pushed somewhere to the background. And what begins to dominate the church, what is actually taught and what is actually practiced in the church a lot of times becomes a matter of feelings. It becomes a matter of how someone feels about an issue. So here's the thing. There are certain issues that the Bible is not specific about. Okay, the Bible doesn't specify every single thing that should be happening in the church or happening outside the church or all things that are sin. But when the Bible does give clear instruction and the child of God finds themselves in a position where they're looking for any type of excuse to not follow what the word of God says, then there's no difference between that person and a disobedient child, a rebellious child. Because the father who's, who you claim or who the person who has faith claims to be their father is giving them instruction through his word. But when they fail, not to, when they fail to listen to the word or even accept the word, because it's, it's one thing to say, you know what, you're right. I'm going to make these changes because that's a process in itself. It's another thing to say you're wrong. And I don't care what this, I don't care what you show me. I know, I, I feel this, and I feel that. This is sadly what's happening in the modern day church today. And it needs to change. And we're going to keep bringing forth this truth and cutting people with the word of God and the truth that's found in his Bible until false teachings cease to exist. Because here's the thing. If you believe that you have membership in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, you believe that you, your spirit will leave this mortal body and that you will be in the kingdom or that you will be transformed in this body or however we will be in the kingdom. But nonetheless, you believe we will walk in streets of gold. You believe that we will see the old prophets of old, that we will see the faithful Hebrews of old, 
the faithful Gentiles who the Lord called to salvation of old, even unto this day. If you believe this, and if the kingdom of God is the authority that you hold or is the uh, government that you pledge allegiance to, does that make sense? Then you are supposed to follow a code of conduct that is that harmonizes with the kingdom that you profess to be a part of. So in all areas of your life, you have to ask yourself, is this particular activity that I'm engaging in or going to engage in or questioning engaging in, do I believe that this activity will be taking place in the kingdom? Do I believe this celebration or this custom will be in the kingdom? Is this custom or this job or this relationship or whatever compromising my position in the kingdom? These are hard questions or not necessarily hard questions, but these are serious questions that the believer does well to ask themselves. We are moving into the holiday season and I found it very fitting to cover this easy topic of discussion uh, pertaining to birthdays. And, you know, God has blessed me with a beautiful child and she's getting ready to reach, you know, her 15th birthday. And we had a very in-depth study about birthdays, the celebration thereof. And is this something that the child of God should be doing? The main and primary question that we ask ourselves is, what is the heart of God as it pertains to birthday celebrations? Does God, is it a part of the perfect will of God for his child to annually celebrate the day of their birth? That is the question that we will be examining now. So there's two things that I, that I want to start this conversation out with. The first is this. The first is, whenever we get into topics of discussion and your mind is already made up, okay, you're, you're not in a good place to even consider what is about to be said. But it doesn't really matter because we're still going to cut with the word today, okay? What a lot of people will do to try to justify the celebration of birthdays is go to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter two, verse 16, where it says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to a holiday or of a new moon or of Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And the crazy thing about this is that they will try to take this scripture, excuse me, this scripture, and twist the meaning of it as if it's talking about something outside of the Old Testament law, as if the, the holidays and the new moons or whatever, the, the, the celebrations that it's talking about in verse 16, somehow extend, extends over into birthday celebrations. And I have to talk about this first, because we have to always make sure that we 
properly apply the word of God, because it can be very easy to try to get into our own understandings about the word of God. And again, I'm not saying this to say that my understanding or whatever is greater than any man's, but we have to be aware of the spirit. This is why I said we have to be aware when our mind is already made up about a matter, we will uh, not we, but an individual can totally twist and misinterpret scripture. So rather than us assuming anything, I want to start this conversation out by saying it's important for us to be open. Okay, be open to what is thus saith the Lord. The word of God tell us in the book of uh, 2 Timothy that all scripture is inspired of God, right? And it is beneficial for correction, for reproving, for setting things straight, okay? That the man of God may be perfect, right? The book of Peter tell us that we shall always be ready to defend the faith that we have, okay? So now let's come to some understanding. That was the first thing I wanted to cover. The second thing I want to cover is this. For those within the Israelite community that might be listening to this particular message, I know that there is some, um, there's dissenting opinions on this topic of birthdays. Some congregations say we should, that there's no law against it directly in the Bible. So therefore it is acceptable for us to, to, have them, to have the parties, as long as we don't utilize the candles and the cakes and everything like that, right? The, the traditional way that the uh, Gentiles would celebrate it. Other congregations say, contrarily, that we shouldn't uh, participate in birthdays, birthdays at all, okay? This is what I want to start this scripture out, or this person with that background, with th this thought, is that we know from a study of scripture in the book of First John that sin is, in fact, a transgression from the law. And yes, brothers and sisters, there is no direct law in the Old Testament uh, or anywhere in the Bible that directly condemns the child of God uh, or the believer, okay, celebrating birthdays, right? So we have to utilize discernment because there are many sins and many things that are improper for the child of God to participate in, okay, that is not directly uh, condemned in scripture, such things as pornography, okay? Uh, you know, such things as cigarette smoking or vaping. There's no direct law in the Bible that you can point to and say, oh, aha, now we know that this is sin. But common sense and discernment tells you that, you know, the, the umbrella of sexual immorality or even in some instances adultery that, that pornography would be in that umbrella, okay? Gluttony and a person not loving God with their whole heart. You know, you utilize discernment in the spirit to help you understand what is fitting for the child of God. And as we grow in the spirit by means of the Christ, we will continue to understand what is the perfect will of God. So we cannot just dismiss uh, the notion that birthdays are unacceptable on the basis that there is no Old Testament law that directly condemns it is the point I'm trying to make here, okay? So, with that being said, let's state some facts because this is how I deal with these topics. I love to bring y'all facts. I don't have time to be bringing y'all my feelings, okay? Fact number one, okay? There are only two birthday celebrations, direct birthday celebrations in all of scripture, okay? This is the first happens in Genesis chapter 40, okay? Uh, for those who are familiar with the with the with the passage, we see that you know, of course, Joseph was in prison in Egypt, and it was the birthday of the Egyptian pharaoh, 
And uh, he, on that day, required and beheaded the baker, okay, within his own, his own servant who was a baker, okay? He was murdered, right? That's one instance. The second instance of birthdays being celebrated in the Bible is one that's probably a little bit more familiar to most of people. And that is recorded in Matthew chapter 14, okay? This is dealing with uh, the birthday of uh, King Herod, okay? Now, the Bible tells us uh, in Matthew chapter 14, okay, that the uh, blood cousin of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, had been thrown in prison for telling King Herod that it was unlawful for him to take his blood brother Philip's wife. Now, I strongly encourage people who don't uh, know uh, the history of the Herodian dynasty to look them up and see that they were, listen, Yes, they were quote unquote Jews, okay? These were people who were Edomites, literally, who had converted over to Judaism, right? And put in power by the Romans. So John was literally telling Herod, listen, you wanna be a Jew? Okay, I'm telling you that in this culture that you're trying to mimic or you're trying to act like you're a part of, it is unlawful for you to take your brother's wife. That's unlawful. And Herod didn't like that so much that he had John thrown in prison. Now, the thing that's interesting about this that shows you that these people were brute savages was that incest was quite common in, in those days, especially along uh, in royal, quote unquote, royal families. Now, people need to understand that King Herod, that Philip had actually like, actually like married his niece, like the girl who became his wife was actually his blood family member. And now Herod is trying to take his blood brother's wife, who is also his, his family member as well too. Like these people are crazy. And when you look up the history of the Herodian dynasty, you'll see that there's a lot of savagery, a lot of just brute heathen style incidents that happen with this family, okay? But nonetheless, John being the prophet that he was, uh, even as verse five tells you that Herod feared to put John to death because the multitude counted him as a prophet, okay? Now, here's the thing that happened. Herodias uh, danced before King Herod, right? And Herod told the girl, listen, I'll give you whatever you ask because it's just what you're doing is just pleasing me so much. You know, and, and on the low, he wants to sleep with her mom, okay, who's his family member. So he's like, look, this pleases me so much. You know, I'll give you whatever you ask for. Tell me what you want, I'll give it to you. And she says, and she, the Bible tells you, she was instructed by her mother uh, in verse eight, it tells you that, to give her the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And that's what happened. Now, as you go down, it says here that uh, the head was brought out on a platter and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. It says, and the disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus, okay? These are the two incidents of birthdays in the Bible. This is all facts, no opinions, no feelings, okay? With that being said, there's two things that stand out here. Number one, Jesus Christ 
Okay, Herod was a Jew, right? He's having a party, right? Jesus himself wasn't there. Jesus wasn't celebrating Herod's birthday, okay? First thing that we can derive from this, okay? The second thing is this. Uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh's birthday, Joseph wasn't there. Joseph wasn't there celebrating with the Pharaoh on the birthday, okay? Those are two things that stand out. The bigger issue that we have to look at, the bigger fact that we have to look at is, in all 66 recorded books in the Bible, there is not a single incident where any of the hundreds of faithful servants of God celebrated their birthday, having an annual party for their birthday. Now, this is a fact, a fact, okay, that is oftentimes, over, oftentimes overlooked due to the way people feel. And some people will come with their excuses. I, I, it just blows my mind the excuses that people have. People will say, well, the wise men came and brought the gifts before baby Jesus. Yes, I'm not here debating whether it is appropriate to celebrate the day of a person's birth, like as in what we call typically a baby shower or to celebrate the life of that person, like being, meaning that on the day of their birth, it is totally appropriate to have a party or have a party soon thereafter or before to celebrate the birth of a child. Okay, that's not what we're here arguing about. What I'm talking about is the yearly annual birthday party. Okay, now there is not a single incident in the Bible where any of the servants of God had such a party, such a feast, such a celebration. Now, the question becomes some people might say, well, maybe they didn't keep birthdays. No, I just we just saw that way back in the days of Joseph, okay in Israel, okay, literal Israel, Jacob, they were, the, the world has, was already keeping birthdays. Birthdays is not a new concept. And it wasn't as if the Israelites didn't know that people around them were celebrating birthdays. So the question becomes, why is there not any mentions of the Israelites or any of the servants of God keeping their birthday, having birthday parties? Well, that question is answered in the book of Jeremiah, okay? Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, okay? The Lord God says directly to the children of Israel, learn ye not the ways of the heathen, nor practice their customs, okay? And then the Bible, this is a, 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 a chapter in the Bible, Jeremiah chapter 10, that has, uh, that is used for people who try to disprove or, or for people who are against uh, the celebration of Christmas, okay? They believe that indirectly the Christmas tree is spoken about here in Jeremiah chapter 10, and that this is a custom that's been going on by the Gentiles, the heathens, for, for centuries. And the Lord has always been against, and this is the position that I take on these issues of birthdays. We have proven through scripture, and you can prove through history, that birthday celebrations on an annual basis is and has always been a custom of the pagans, of the heathens, of the non-believers, okay? Facts, no feelings, facts. You can also establish that birthday parties were never celebrated by any of the children of God. This is facts. This is not feelings or opinions. These are facts. So the question, and, and if you understand what we just read in Jeremiah chapter 10, the Lord God actually commanded his people, learn not their ways. So why would God not want the people 
to learn the ways of the heathen. Well, that would always lead them into some form of corrupted worship. Now, some people today will say, well, well, a birthday party doesn't involve bowing down to an idol, worshiping a calf, doing this and all these things that are that 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 Christians will say, oh, this meets the criteria of something that's immoral. But that isn't the truth of the matter is, is that that's not really the point. The point is, what is the celebration for? What does it what does it actually glorify? And has God commanded us to do it? Has he commanded against us doing it? And this one, this is one of those things when you look into the Bible that it doesn't have to directly give you an answer for, because when God told the people to not take on the ways of the heathen, it encompassed the things that they do, including their celebrations, okay? Things such as Easter, things such as Christmas, a lot of different pagan celebrations that's been going on for centuries. God's people never participated in. It wasn't something that they were a part of because it was looked at as pagan. Proverbs chapter three, verse five through seven. The Lord God tells us here to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, lean not upon our own understanding. Lean not upon our own understanding. In all of our ways, take notice of him and he himself will make our path straight. Now, I don't want to, I could argue with you guys on this one and, and try to convince you and beat you with this word of God to you black and blue in the face. The point of the matter is, people need to submit to the will of God. When we talk about paganism, when we talk about pagan practice, when we talk about pagan culture, it has no place in the church of God. You can look all the way back in the days of ancient Israel. You can look back as far as you want to look. God always felt negatively about bringing outside influences into the house of worship. In other words, when you come into the house of God or into fellowship with God, we're not taking the things of the world with us. We're supposed to be dropping things, letting things go and picking up the jewels and the, 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 the ways and the mannerisms and the laws and so forth of God. But we understand that these, are, these types of chains are hard for a lot of people to break free from because this is something that people have been doing for so long. You know, ever since people was first born, they've been having birthday parties and celebrations and they're made a big deal in most homes. Okay, so it's difficult to break these chains. But the Lord God says that we are supposed to be becoming a new man, transformed into the image of Christ. Okay, that, uh, that unless a man is born again, that he cannot even enter into the kingdom of heaven. So when you are born again, what does that mean? You take on a new identity. Your old sins, your old ways, including the pagan practices and customs that you were doing before you became a believer, all those things need to, be, need to come under Christ. And you need to ask yourself in all areas of your life, is this the perfect and acceptable will of God? Now, the last thing I want to talk about with this is this perspective that some people have that it is okay to practice uh, to to practice uh, this paganism in secret or in your in the privacy of your home as long as we don't do it in the church. Okay. Now, this is a very 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 uh, wrong mindset to have. The Bible tells you in the book of Peter, that the older men, the elders are supposed to be examples for the young men, right? 
So now what I look like, let's say, let's say I go to one of the elders' houses during Christmas and there's no Christmas ornaments, nothing like that in the church. But I go to the, I go to the, the, the pastor house and he got a Christmas tree in his house. Do you understand how hypocritical that is? Because now it's like you're living a double life. Now, like you're, you, you have one standard in the church, but in your home, you practice paganism. And I, and I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that most pastors understand that you you shouldn't bring a Christmas tree or any type of Christmas related uh, memorabilia into the church of God. God don't recognize those holidays. God didn't give us these holidays. Why are we bringing them into the, the house of God, into the assembly of God? Maybe people don't take this as serious as I do. Maybe people think that the church is a game or the church is just some, uh, you know, uh, uh, leisure thing that we just do on the side that we just make like a clubhouse or something or a fun house. This is not what, this is definitely not the place to come with that type of mindset. If you want a social club, you can go make one. But when you're talking about having a church, you're talking about having a, you know, a, a, an assembly where people are coming together to worship the Lord. I'm telling you, you are, you are mistaken if you think, number one, that as a leader, God won't hold you accountable for what you teach the people. The Bible tells you that not many of you should be teachers, knowing that the teacher is going to receive a heavier condemnation. What does that mean? That the Lord is going to judge you more on a more stricter um, uh, basis, on a stricter criteria, a, a stricter ga uh, gauge, because you are over people. You are teaching people. And therefore, what you teach must be accurate. And this is why I have such a passion for this, because we, God recognizes, just the same way I do, the power of the teacher, the power of the word of the teacher. When the teacher tells the audience, no, that is against the will of God, people take heed. When the teacher acts like there's no problem, the people also take heed and look at that, in a lot of instances, as a green light to continue on in such a path. But we're not going to leave no room for, for ignorance. Because why? We're supposed to be perfecting, okay? Growing in knowledge, growing in wisdom, growing in the spirit of the Christ. If you want to stay the same, why would you become a believer? That's the question. We're supposed to be maturing into the spirit, according to the spirit of the Most High God. So indeed, it would be hypocrisy for a brother to say, well, you can practice this at your home, but in the church, we can't have it. The Bible, the last thing I want to, the last scripture I want to cover tonight is found in Isaiah, okay? Isaiah chapter 49, okay? And the Bible tells us that we who are of the faith are to be a light unto the Gentiles, a light unto the Gentiles, okay? Meaning that we have to show them the way in which they're supposed to go. We're not supposed to adopt their practices and then try to put those practices under Christ. This is the foolishness that we see within Christmas. This is the foolishness you see in Easter. What does an Easter egg hunt have to do with Jesus Christ? What does a tree have to do with Jesus Christ? Where is that in the Bible? Now, many of you who are, or many people who might oppose this message, I encourage you, and I'm going to tell you that there's no other way for you to teach or that you should teach except going into the word of God. What does thus saith the Lord? Okay. This is not about feelings. Okay. This is about truth. According to the word of God, the word is the same spirit that the Christ had. If you don't obey the word of God, then truly you're not a child of God. 
The Bible tells you this is what the love of God means, that we obey his commandments and they are not burdensome, meaning that we're not looking for excuses. We're not looking for ways to wiggle out of what is thus saith the Lord. That, that's like a Cain type of mentality. That, that's like a mentality of like Esau or something. That's not an appreciative mentality. You know what I'm saying? God calls you to, to move this raggedy thing from you that is polluting you. And people are like, well, no, 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 no. I, I want to hold on to this because I feel, I feel. When the Lord says no, the spirit says no. But you're talking about what you feel. I say, woe unto you. Everything that we do has to come under the Lord. We have to filter our lives through the commands of the Lord. Now, some people will say, well, I'm doing too much. But what is love? Love is, is teaching the commands of God. Love is disciplining in righteousness. Love is not letting somebody go off and do something that's detrimental to them, their honor, their well-being, their position in the kingdom, and me standing by and not saying anything to them because I'm trying to be buddy-buddy with them or because I'm afraid of standing out for the truth. That's not love. That's complacency. We're commanded to love. And what is love? That somebody would take patience and take me and help me to understand the word of God. Give me the tools that I need to understand the word of God. That way I can have an accurate knowledge of God. The Bible tells you this means everlasting life. They're taking in knowledge of you. What did Christ say? The hour is coming and it is indeed now in which those who worship God, you know, they, they will worship him neither here in Jerusalem. They're going to worship everywhere, all over the world. But Christ tells you that those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This is where the passion for this message comes from, because the truth of the matter is God is not the God of the Egyptians. He's not the God of the uh, you know, Herodian dynasty. He's not the God of these Gentile pagan nations. He is the God. He's made it clear. Yes, he's the God of the whole world, heaven and earth. But he says specifically, he is the God of Israel. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel by whom, and according to the Bible, it tells you that he exclusively revealed his law unto these people to whom pertaineth the adoption of sons, the covenants, the giving of the promises. Now, if you are in, if you don't agree with the covenants, with the commands, the promises, but you call yourself a part of this tree, you, con you consider yourself grafted in, but you're coming with your own agenda, your own rules. You're just like the Pharisees of old. The Bible says, and Christ said, that they taught as commands the traditions of men. See? So we need to remove these traditions out when they are in opposition to the command of God. At the end of the day, family, this boils down to honor. The Bible says that we are a living sacrifice unto him. Meaning that the way we live our lives and the things that we do for God are in themselves a sacrifice. Meaning the way that we live our lives is a sacrifice to God. Cain brought God what? His second best. You know, a sacrifice not purified. Okay. 
when you get into the book of Kings, you see these kings of Judah and these Israelites continuously pollute their worship to God with their pagan, with the pagan practices of the nations around them. And for this very reason, the Lord destroyed them. The Lord sent them into bondage, slavery, all types of trouble. And it was the righteous kings of Israel who did certain things to remove the influence of paganism from the house of God. This is what true leadership looks like in the church. Somebody who is willing to stand up on the truth, regardless of how somebody might feel. Because I'm telling you, not everyone, even the Lord tells you, not all saying unto me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom. But he who does the will of my father will. Now, how is somebody doing the will of God when they refuse the commands of God? When they don't obey the word of God? Family, my prayers, we don't fool ourselves with these things. And that we always have a holy and pure offering unto the Lord in everything that we do with our lives.